come before your throne of grace. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we need you all the time, Lord. We need you all of the time. We honor you. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Uh, soften our hearts to just open up and hear what you have to say to us. We thank you, Lord, for this uh, forward moving. We're not standing still. We're moving forward all the time in you. As we hear your word, you're preparing a path for us to go forward. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to continue talking about the faith of Abraham. I guess when you talk about faith, period, that's what you're talking about. just came to me that we're always talking about Abraham's faith even though we don't mention his name all the time, or perhaps you don't insert that. But we did declare that this is the faith that was delivered to the saints. So this came to us as an inheritance package. So our faith can do all the things that Abraham did. And I think that's one of the reasons God had him go through so many different situations uh, as our as our patriarch and our forerunner and our forefather in the faith, so that we can understand what we can believe God for. I mean, and and never shrink back and say that's too hard or that's impossible. Even though there were times Abraham seemed to shrink back, he managed to scramble and find God again, and God took him forward. Amen. So then we have that same faith. It's the kind of faith that doesn't quit on us. So it's not you, it's not your faith that's quitting on you, it's you probably that's quitting on your faith or trying to. See, you and your faith are one. It cannot be separated from you. Why? Because it's the faith of the Son of God. It's It's inside of you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in charge of your faith. Jesus, the Bible says, is the author and the completer of our faith. So he is the one who began us in faith. When he knocked on the door of your heart and you said yes to him, you had to borrow faith off of him to even say yes. Because natural faith, your natural faith, every human has natural faith, but that faith does not include the afterlife, the supernatural. It just includes what is going on in the natural realm. So we had to get faith from him to even say, yes, you got your faith from here in the gospel. Amen. Miss Jan, how many people say yes to you when you tell them about Jesus? You can't even count them anymore, can you? Right. And she'll go into Walmart and stop everything and make everybody be quiet and listen. (laughs) I see it seems funny to us, but it's normal for her. Amen. So so your faith will put you in a normal that other people seem to think funny. <laughs> like Sarah laughed at God. But he said, uh-uh, honey, you're going to do this. Huh? You better better get, a, get the old birthing stool back out again and all the maternity clothes and all that guys. Get them out because it's coming. <laughs> Amen. And so we have to understand that, that, you know, your natural man will react in ways to supernatural faith that we we have no idea how that's going to how we're going to respond to it because it's new to us. 
all the experiences we have in God are new. Amen. That's why the Bible constantly points to the new. Behold, I do a new thing. Shall you not know it? I make all things new. He makes your their mercies are new every morning. Amen. He's got something new for us to do. And we get a, a, a blank slate, a clean page every morning that we wake up. There's nothing hung over from the night before. Amen. God doesn't wake you up every day and serve you leftovers. There's fresh manna every morning. Amen. Everything's fresh and new. He has a new idea for us. He has a new courage. He has a new revelation. It's a new everything. So it's like he's saying, hey, forget about yesterday. I mean, it was good in its time, but you need something fresh and new. So so that's the way God handles us. And that's what we can expect from him. So in speaking about Abraham, we talked about how his faith operated to get the promise. The promise was basically a son that would come from he and Sarah. And unfortunately, they were confused about the details. How many of y'all been confused about details of things? You thought God said, yes, this, but it you turned out that wasn't it. But what did he do? He gave you another tra- chance. You know, I, I feel bad sometimes for people who go away hurt, disgruntled, and disappointed at the church. Because many of them are just getting started. Really, they are. They're new and the, they're babes in the Lord. They're inexperienced because how can you give up on such a precious faith? What Jesus did and went through to deliver this faith to us, it should make it worth at least pursuing beyond your initial frustration of, of material things you didn't get yet or answers to prayer that you didn't get yet because you 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 don't want to admit you're only halfway believing and God now wants to come back to you and show you how to get your faith right, how to straighten that out so you can actually get what he's promised you. So we have a long walk and, and Abraham's walk proves that out. Look at all the twists and turns in their lives. Look at all the, the stops they had to make. Mistakes, correcting mistakes, getting it right, getting it wrong. That's a lifetime of walking with God. And it's hard to judge, you know, say if we're sitting here and we're reading this, how can we judge how they did things when you look at the outcome? See, at the outcome, it was Romans 8.28. Amen. All things work together for the good. They were called according to God's purpose. They kept going in spite of mistakes. Just because you're saved, it doesn't make you mistake proof. Amen. Nor does it mean your mistakes won't get corrected. And so if we can stay humble to the Lord and, and really allow him the freedom that that Abraham allowed him. Abraham allowed God to come in and talk, speak into his life over and over and over again. Many times people get frustrated. The first thing they desire from God and slam the door on God's face, never let him back in again. Amen. And so we have to be cautious about that. We have to realize that for every, every disappointment and frustration, God has an answer. 
he has to get up and pick me up and dust you off and start all over again or start from where you left off. He has a solution. And Abraham's life bears that out. Nobody's life in the Bible, you can't see anybody in the word of God that started out doing everything perfectly and and God blessed them because they were perfect. Amen. God blesses obedience. Amen. Even if it comes late sometimes, even if it's it's a lot of disobedience and stumbling and he he looks at at the heart and if the heart's wrong, he knows how to get you straight on that and help you with that kind of stuff. He's got a long-term plan for everybody that's saved. Amen. And and so we have to learn how to relax and fit in with that plan instead of trying to you know prove something with how fast we can get something from God or how big a whatever it is we can get from the Lord. Amen. That means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Amen. What's important is that you obey God, that you follow him, that you and you continue to run the race with patience. You need patience because you're going to be at this for a lifetime. You know, you can't be quick to want to quit because you God didn't give you something you thought you, I believed him, I had faith, and I did this, and I, why do you have to keep defending yourself? The promise should be your fruit. See, that should be all we need to see to know that your faith was right. And it's really not our faith, is it? It's the faith of the Son of God. Once you put your faith over in God's word and you don't take it out and remove it, amen, leave it in there, even if we try to move it sometimes, (laughs) you know. Abraham and Sarah did. They believed God. It was counted to them as righteousness. Then they went and did something unrighteous. They had to go back and believe him again, amen. So, I mean, that's life. I don't know how else I can say it, but that's the life of the believer. So it says here, I'm going to go to Romans 4 and and kind of sum up what the author is really saying here. Verse 13, for the promise that he should be heir of the world. We are heirs of the world. There's no lack in you anywhere. You shouldn't be wondering and wishing you could have this and wishing you could have that because you have it already. Whatever it is you desire is yours already. You're an heir of the world. It was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law or through natural birth, but through the righteousness of faith. So righteousness becomes a higher inheritance than your natural inheritance. What you get through righteousness and believe in God's word is a higher inheritance than any natural inheritance that you might have received or be in line to receive or anything like that. So there's no reason to, you know, lament your upbringing, what you feel you missed, you know, uh, focus on what you have now. Because you were going to have to forfeit that anyway to receive what God has for you. You can't get two inheritances at one time. You either get the natural or the spiritual. Amen. Now, you can have a natural inheritance. There's nothing. If your parents leave you something or somebody in your family leaves you something, that's fine. But it comes by way of righteousness. 
You know, you might have an aunt that left you something and then you find out it's 18 nieces and nephews that won't fight you over it. You got me? So really what's guaranteed is the spiritual. Because nobody can beat you out of that. That's coming to you anyway. Amen. God's going to make sure you get it anyhow. And don't get crazy and start letting them relatives have everything. Just, you know, hold on and say, God, this is mine. And you fight for me and I intend to receive it. Amen. And let it go. Let God have it. Let him be the arbiter of that. And it says for the law, it says for if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. So you don't want faith, your faith to be nullified. And the promise is of none effect. But the law works wrath for the, where there's no law, there's no transgression. We talked about that Abraham would pretend to be Sarah's brother off and on. They were not under, they didn't have any law to live under. Amen. God began to bring him under his wisdom about his wife when he was able to receive it. Amen. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. So if it comes by faith, then anybody can get it. Anybody can believe, folks. That's the simplest thing in the world to do is to believe. People who don't want to believe God have their faith invested in something, but they're believing. They're believing something that's not of God. And it says here, and it makes it sure to everybody, not only to that which is of the law, but that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So if he's our father, we have his, we have an inheritance from him. We have his DNA ability to believe God for the impossible. We have his DNA ability to believe God for the necessary things. We have the, his DNA to believe. Well, so whenever you see something Abraham acquired, understand you just, you need to look at it and pull it down and say, that's mine too. That's mine too. That belongs to me. He's my father. And and that's my inheritance. I'm I'm taking that. I receive that. That's my ability is too. It says, as it is written, I have made thee, I have made, I have made, I have made you a father of many nations. But for him whom he believed, even God, yes, God, he believed God. The same God who quickens or calls to life the dead. And also calls those things which are not as though they are. So God causes us to speak about things that we don't see yet as though they're really there. Because they are. Amen. They are. If if God promised it's in him. So it exists already. Before he it's not a wish. It's not a dream. It's not a maybe. It's there. God makes it manifest in the heavenly realm. Amen. And that's where we receive it first. We first receive it in the realm of the invisible. God works from the inside out, not the reverse. So when God gives us a promise, he makes sure that we hide it in our hearts. Amen. So it's locked up tight. Where the enemy can't steal it. Amen. 
if you owned if everything God had for you, he just brought it and drove it up to your house in one day. Can you imagine the trouble you would have trying to keep the devil off of it? Somebody drive by and say, ooh, ain't nobody home. Look at all that stuff. Oh, my goodness. Look at, ooh, ooh. Huh? So God keeps it. He tells us, lay up treasures in heaven. He said, why? Where the nether thief can get it, rust, moth. If you got everything God had for you in one day, the, the termites would eat it up. Amen. The, the, you know, every kind of foul bird would come and try to nest on it. Amen. You get a new, you get all your new cars that you're going to get in a lifetime. Get them all lined up in the driveway at one time and see what kind of fun you have keeping them clean and keeping them running and keeping them full of batteries. You understand what I'm saying? There is a reason, a good godly reason why God has them locked up in glory, but he gives us the faith for them. So that we have evidence that they really do exist. Amen. God is amazing. It, it's, it, it's, <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. Um, we had, we had a, a, um, the ministry when we got started with, I think it was in the nineties or maybe the year 2000, we had been praying for our own bus so that we could travel had to travel back and forth to the cities and go from Detroit to Cleveland. And then God had us studying on the road with a lot of different ministries. We have to go to their meetings and so forth. It was just a need for it, you know. And I said, well, you know, some churches have building funds. We had a bus fund because we needed a bus. And we had to travel to do some of our meetings every month we needed to go to to Toledo or and then Sandusky and then we had to go to Detroit for the conferences up there so there was a need for it and so I remember when we were I I was getting um some uh, by I think email I signed up to a couple of places that sold buses and there was a bus for sale and I remember looking at the the picture was sitting on my desk at home and I was reading it and, and my husband, my late husband asked me if I was, he said, what's that? Some about a bus. And I said, yeah. And so he took it from me and read it. He said, oh, well, that's your bus, you know, like that. And I was thinking I need to pray over it. You know what I'm saying? Get your hands off my bus. I can hear from God myself. But it was our bus, so that saved me a little bit of trouble. But uh, we got this bus was really the value of it was around forty or fifty thousand dollars for twenty five thousand dollars. This guy was a minister, and he had a company that refurbished buses, and they had been donated to them. And he just refurbished them, sold us at a price that just covered some of his costs, and 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 we had our bus. Well, Howard had to drive down and get it. it was in Atlanta. And that was a long drive. And so one of our, our buses that we used to rent from a company had a driver. His name was Bulldog. So he would always tell us, he said, uh, Bulldog's my name. If you need anything, call Bulldog. So we, we sit up there just looking at him. And so after a while, we used to kid him. Yeah, you need anything, call Bulldog. So when Howard needed an extra driver, we called Bulldog. And so we, we thought, okay, we, we'll call him. And, and so in the meantime, he had, 
had an injury. He, his foot, one of his legs was in a cast. His foot was in a cast. We thought for sure poor bulldog wasn't our man. But when he, we talked to him, he said, I can do the trip. Don't worry about it. I can do the trip. So, uh, we got, got, uh, a date for when the bus would be ready. And we decided that Howard, they both had to fly from where they were. I think Bulldog lived in Pennsylvania. Howard's in Ohio. So they both met, I think, in Chicago and and got on the same flight from Chicago to Atlanta. That's the way it was. And so Bulldog kept wondering what was going on because he didn't, you know, sometimes people aren't in faith with you and you don't realize it. And so once they got to the hotel, they were wondering where the guy with the bus was. He had promised to meet him and he was going to be here. He's going to be there. And, and Howard got a call from me. Tell Howard, he said, yeah, Howard, I'm going to send you over. I got a limo because he had a limo company, a legit businessman. He sent somebody over there with a limo for them, took them out to dinner. He and Bulldog had a steak dinner. And so he met them at the restaurant. So the first thing that Bulldog asked him, he's, is there a bus for real or not? And see, that's the way it is when you have no faith for what it is that you're believing. You say you're believing God for. You keep questioning if it really exists or not because you haven't seen anything yet. And many times we get ourselves caught in that kind of dilemma where we believe we're holding on by faith, but we don't see it for a period of time. And then we don't know and realize that Jesus is the one who comes to encourage our faith. And so during those times, like Bulldog didn't see anything yet, even though he got treated well and all of that kind of stuff, that wasn't enough evidence that these people were on the up and up. You got me? And so there will come a time where we need some reassurance. We need to have our faith encouraged. We need to have it. And I think what we, the thing we don't do is the thing we need to do. We don't tell God about it. We don't say, God, you know what? My faith is wavering here. You know, I'm like Bulldog. I'm ready to question, is there really an answer here for me or not? Is it really coming or not? Is it going to be everything you say it is or not? You got me? And and I think if we can get that conversation with God, get it out of the way. Get it in the open. Air it out. Let God know what it is that we're up against. He can impart something to us. Greater faith greater peace, greater understanding. Amen. Sometimes we think we're in peace and in faith and when really we're we're weakened in our hearts. And the Bible warns us that that can happen. He says you you will don't get weary in doing good, holding on to God's promises, doing good. Believing, confessing the word to yourself so you continue to believe it is doing good. Amen. And the Bible tells us not to get weary in doing good because in due season you will reap if what? You don't faint. You don't give up and lose heart and say it's not going to happen. If it hasn't happened yet, I don't think it's going to happen. Then the devil stub comes and camps on your shoulder and begins to tell you all the reasons it won't happen. Look at you, what you did. You ain't getting that. God don't give it to people like you. Well, devil, I ain't going to be crazy enough to let you steal it from me. 
Amen. <laughs> and God is giving it the fat. I got it already, devil. You can't do nothing to that. I got it already. And that will force you to continue to believe you received when you pray. The only thing that happens, we walk too far away from God for the promise to be continually made real to us. Amen. And so we're going to go back there to Genesis 17. So I'm going to, we're going to pause here in Romans 4. Let me go back to Genesis 17. Because this is the solution to what it is that we call fainting, faithlessness, you know. And sometimes you can feel like believing God is like drastic life and death. He doesn't want it to be like that. He wants it to be an easy burden and a light yoke. And so sometimes we're holding on and we think we're in faith, but sometimes it's willpower. We're just trying to make it happen, trying to make ourselves believe. When it's not that that hard, you know, his yoke is easy. You need to drop that and say, God, show me the easy burden or light yoke. Because I picked up something here that's too hard for me. And I know that's not you. That doesn't line up with your word. And so, but sometimes once you get into it, it's hard to get out of it. So you need to cry out to God and say, who can deliver me from the body of this death? Amen. The thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I do. It's a mess. I'm a hot mess. Amen. But I'm your hot mess, Jesus. Come help me. So, so he says here, uh, verses, Genesis 17, 1. This is how Abraham got into the strong faith category. And that's where we are, folks. We have strong faith. And it's not for you to argue with people that you have faith or not. Strong faith doesn't argue. Get this, the flesh. You don't have to prove anything to anybody as far as your faith concerned. That's your personal thing, covenant between you and God. It doesn't say Abraham had neighbors he was trying to convince of nothing. Amen. It says when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the almighty God. In fact, I can do anything. I got all power. I've got all wisdom. I've got all, I got everything you need, Abram. And he says, walk before me. And then you'll be perfect. We're trying to get perfection outside of walking before God. We're trying to prove to God that we believe him when he knows everything anyway. We're trying to prove to God that we can do this when he says, you can do all things, but through me, I'm the one who gives you strength. You can't do it without me. And so this is God's constant reiteration to our hearts and to our minds. You better hold on to me. You can't do this without me. Quit trying to impress me with your confession. Quit trying to make me think you've been confessing this word for for two weeks and you've been doing it hit or miss. Ah. So when we walk before him, that walking with him perfects us. It's not something like walk before me and you be perfect. It's walk with me 
and receive my perfection, receive my maturity, receive my spirit, receive what I have. The breath of life that I breathe into you every day perfects you, matures you. Just just stop before you get involved in anything in your day and lift your hands and begin to praise me. Every praise. Everything that you exalt, let that be me. Amen. Let me be your praise. Let me be your breath. Let me be your air. Let me be your everything. And he says, that's your perfection. That's how you're going to be able to make it through to the end, Abram. That's how you're going to be able to do what I'm going to require you from here on in to the rest of your life. Oh, yeah, God is making plans for you for every day. He's got things for us to do that only he knows that he has planned for us, that he plans for us to walk in. And we can't get get there without him. We can't get there without trusting him with our our dirty little secrets that we don't want God to know about us, but he knows them anyway. With the things that the devil constantly bombards our heads with that we don't want to tell God we're believing that now or we're thinking about it. We want to be the consider not people. Amen. I consider not these things that don't line up with your word. Yeah, but you do. You've been thinking about it. You've been letting it sink in. You've been cheating on God and thinking about what the devil accuses you of. Amen. So we got to walk with him. Say, God, I did it. God, how do I keep getting in this mess? You ever been there? (laughs) How do I keep getting here, God? I don't want to be here. I want to be with you. Amen. I want to be where you are. (laughs) But then when we get there, we're so easily distracted, we go someplace else. (laughs) I did it again. Amen. We cry out. There's there's a psalm that I like. It says it, it's repetitive, and, and you can see where it was probably one of the words, ones that they would sing. And it says, and then they cried unto the Lord in their distress, and he delivered him. That's a refrain that goes on and on and on in that. If you can find that, Shannon, they cry. It talks about all the mistakes Israel made. Then they cried unto the Lord, and he delivered him. And you think to yourself, oh, that Israel, I'll be glad when they got it right. I'll be glad when I get it right. You ought to be. Which one is it? Let me check and look. Your deliverance over and over and over again. Yeah, right. <laughs> it says, uh, ooh. I'm not sure this is the one because there's one that it, it has a refrain like every every few phrases. Yeah. There's another one that talks about, but I'll just do what they have here. It says, verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who is redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gather them out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, and the south. That's you. That's your salvation. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Amen. And it says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. 
and and it, they it's a repetitive thing it's like they keep doing it over and over and over again and then god keeps delivering them over and over and over again amen it's the same same thing with us um that that we can see we tend to want to get embarrassed that we're back in the same mess again and and god has a a way to keep us delivered even though we keep getting in the same mess over and over and over again. Amen. And, and so we, we've got to understand that we're like in darkness in, in, in longing in, in, um, uh, partial vision. We can only see as far as that word takes us at the time. And if it's a half step or one step or a block or a mile, we only have vision for that interval of time for that length of time and so when we understand the limited vision that we have even with god he doesn't he doesn't give us enough insight revelation and vision to to allow us to run too far too fast he gives you enough so that you can constantly be reminded that you depend on him for everything and it's the truth you can't get too far at one time he wants you right there amen right there and so so abraham he he says walk before me and be perfect and i will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply you exceedingly and abraham fell on his face and god talked with him and continued in other words abraham worshiped god he immediately obeyed him he said walk before me and be perfect he bows to him Amen. And he says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. And Abraham's going, um, okay, I got a kid already. What's he talking about? You got me? So correction comes. Correction in the way we think. When, when you get with God and, and he says, okay, pay attention to me. Walk before me and be perfect and I'm going to show you what it is that's keeping you stumbling all the time that's keeping you out of my peace i'll show you and so he reiterates the promise to abraham and abraham's probably thinking to himself i thought i already was a father what do you mean i'm gonna what's what's the deal neither shall your name be any more called abram but your name shall be abraham for a father of many nations i have made you so god's done this already He's just informing us. When God, when you read the promises of God in the Bible and they speak to your heart and you get a, a witness in your spirit that that's for you. Amen. He's done it already. You're just the last person to find it out. Amen. And so once you find it out, then God will help you to get to it. It's his job to help us to get there. He's the author, the finisher of our faith. It's up to us to walk before him, to get, make time for him. Get into his presence. Get in your word. Listen to something that edifies your spirit, that answers some of your questions. God will put these things before you to help you so that your, your, everything begins to speak to your faith. And so he says, I'm changing your name. You're getting an upgrade. 
from whatever you had before, it's an upgrade. When God, when you get alone with God and solitary with him and start to let him deal with these things, it's an upgrade. He says, I'll make you exceedingly whatever you had before he exceeds it. This is your Ephesians 3.20 coming to pass. Abraham was a part of that. See, a lot of the epistles just expound on what's already back in the Old Testament. It makes it concise for us so we can grab onto it. And he said, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after all their generations everlastingly. And I will give to you and your seed after you the land whereon you are a stranger in Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I'll be their God. And God said to Abraham, you shall keep my covenant, you and your seed after you all the generations. This is my covenant that you circumcise everybody born in your house on the eighth day. And God said to Abraham in verse 15, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, give you a son from her also. And here's, here's the deal breaker. Everything sounds good except the impossible. Cause Abraham knows or has been knowing up until Isaac was born that he could produce children. Now that he can't and God shows up with the promise of a son is a deal breaker. See, we're all going to have, listen, I don't care who you are. You're going to have that deal breaker promise that you say to yourself, hmm, what it cost me the last time God promised me something that was almost impossible? Don't know if the girl wants to go this far. Hello? Because many times when God comes to us, we are living in what I call a faith comfort zone. You're believing God but you're gotten comfortable. You're believing him for something that hasn't happened yet. And you're comfortable where you are. And he comes along and modifies it. Adds to it. Something that's going to bring him greater glory, but you don't know what it's going to cost you to get it. You don't know how many changes you're going to have to go through to become that person that God can bless with the greater thing. But still, there's something in your heart that longs for it. Amen? There's something in you that says, I want the more. I want to do more. That sounds real good to me. And then when God finally comes to you, you have no idea what's going to cost you to get into that zone of the more. Because it will cost you something. Because if you could have it in the zone you're in now, you'd have it already. So you know there's going to have to be a change. There's going to have to, and you're going to have to submit to the cross again. You're going to have to submit to the crucifixion. You're going to have to submit to the not being able to lift a finger to change it, even though you may want to change it. Amen. There are many times, you know, you get involved in things. And you say, man, if I had known all of this was, you know, your carnal mind would click in and say, oh, this is, come on now. What a, what a, what a, what a. And then you get to a place where it's all good and then it kicks up <laughs> trouble again. 
You got me. So, so God voice, that's why we need him. We need him desperately. You know, don't run around and try to impress God with how big your faith is. He ain't impressed. He sees it for what it really is. He wants it to grow. He wants it to become what he needs it to be. But, but don't, don't put him as your, your adversary. Don't put him as somebody you're trying to impress. Don't put him as somebody who doesn't understand you and love you and want to help you. He's your help. And we got to live with that every day. We got to live like he's our help every day. So he says, it, 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 he told, he says he's going to bless Sarah and give her a son of her, give you a son of her. Yes, I'm going to bless her. You heard me. So he has to, to say it twice to Abraham to get him to hear him. That's why many times when we get a prophecy, that's why sometimes, you know, you, you kind of want people to go ahead and work with that prophecy and get in the word and, and start doing their part instead of getting back in line again to hear the same prophecy over again. Sometimes that makes people discount the value of a prophecy. But what can the prophet reveal to you but what's there? And what's there is you haven't done much with the last time we gave you this word. It's still there for you to operate in. Amen? And so it says, um, it, it says, I will give you a son of her. She, I will bless her. She will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred? In other words, I'm impotent. This is what proves it right here. I'm a hundred. I'm too old. He counted himself too old from the beginning and shall Sarah that is 90 bear. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. We all have an Ishmael hiding in the closet somewhere that we want to pass off as faith in God. And God said, "Uh Uh-uh, you didn't use my faith to get this. This is not what I promised you. Oh, no, we got to go back to the drawing board and do this over again. God, it was hard enough for me to... You see what I'm saying? That's why we need God to ease that burden. Take the stress off of having, you don't produce the faith to bring it to pass anyway. And this is what God is trying to get across to Abram. He said, you circumcise everybody. You get in covenant with me and leave the rest up to me. That simple act of obedience on Abraham's part to circumcise everybody took all the stress out of getting Isaac here. I'm going to say it again. Making sure you do your end of the covenant allows God's faith to pour into you. All you have to do is a simple obedience things. I don't care. And it's never anything real hard. God says, just walk before me and be, just acknowledge me. Just acknowledge me as the one that you're depending on. Acknowledge me as the one you come to get your answers from. Acknowledge me. That's all he's, he said, I want to be in the picture. You're going to need me in the picture every day to get this because it's impossible for you, Abram. I let you try to do it on your own. I'm going to honor Ishmael. I'm going to take care of him. 
I take care of all of your mistakes. Amen. And I bring them to a different kind of life. But what I had in mind was something so much bigger than you. So much greater than you. You know, sometimes people, if they really believed they had greatness inside of them, they'd shut up talking about it so much. Because really the greatness that the average Christian is thinking about is something they can fit in their garage. Amen. Or something they can live in or something they can wear. They have no clue of the eternal greatness that God's talking about. God's putting Abraham from, from, from natural life over into eternity now. He's got to have a man or woman that he can place over into eternity. He's got to have people that he can trust with eternal life, with eternal hope, eternal promises, things beyond the natural realm. And see, we get hung up and, 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 and confused and, and bound on simple things. You know, things that'll perish. Things that are temporal and temporary. When God's trying to, to direct us over into eternity. What are you doing with the faith I gave you that's going to bring, make somebody else come into the kingdom that's going to make them born again? And yeah, we, we're watchmen and yeah, we do our prayer and, and yeah, we do this and do that, but there's so much more to be done. Suppose God has something else for us to do. We can't limit him and call the shots and say, well, I do enough, God. I do them prayers, you know, twice, once, once and then with a prayer partner. You understand what I'm saying? We can't limit him. And God is like, okay, you got that done. I'm going to add more to it because I'm God. I have a plan for you that you know not of. So Abraham then then begins to operate in the natural. This is his natural man speaking. And he wants Ishmael to live. And, And God says, Sarah, your wife, he said, don't interrupt me, Abraham. Huh? Anytime you speak of the natural, it's an interruption to God. Amen. Might as well be quiet because he's going to finish his sentence. He says, Sarah, <coughs> your wife will bear you a son and you will call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him. So this is all God's choosing. You can't put something in there and make God honor it. Because he won't. He doesn't need his plan altered to suit us. He's going to alter us to suit him. Amen. And so he says, for Ishmael, I heard you. You know, I know you love him. I put love in your heart for him. He says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac. In other words, I'm not going to alter my plan to make it easy for you. How many times we want to use our little chump change faith for big things in God. You know, we want the prophecy to come to pass and we want to use our everyday faith for that. And if that were adequate, we'd have it already. So he's got to, just like he takes a promise up a notch, he got to take your faith up a notch to bring it in. Amen. He's got to have your faith exclusively dedicated to him and what he wants to do. He's got to have exclusive access to your faith. And so he says, and he says, I'm going to establish this covenant with Isaac and Sarah will bear him 
at a set time in the next year. You notice, now this is something I like about God. And, and, and I hope I'm understanding it correctly. When he comes to Abraham, he says, you got to tighten up your walk with me. You know, check in with me on a regular. I want to have some regular input with you. He could have said that back in chapter 12 where he found him. He only said it when the, the promise was a year out. So that tight walk with God, that checking in with Him, staying focused in Your Word, and 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 making sure you you don't veer off of the Word, and only He doesn't really just give that, make that mandatory for your lifetime. He understands us. Number one, he understands you ain't going to be in the word real intent every day like you're supposed to. You're going to do what you've been always doing. We all love God. We all love the word. But sometimes your life dictates that you, you know, you just be a natural person. So you understand what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm not talking about a natural sinner person, but I'm talking about a person whose focus is not not so intently focused. On, I gotta get this word in me because these symptoms are killing me. These symptoms, I gotta get this, this burden off of me. I gotta get this thing off. It kinda comes at us in doses and intervals. But I thought to myself, I said, God, you understand us so well. Number one, he knew Abraham wouldn't be able to walk the chalk line for 13 years until he gave him Isaac. You got me? He knew, he said, well, let me, let me let this man experience some of my goodness first. So when I tighten up on him, he'll know I'm a good God. He's not serving a God who's making him do this for no good reason. And how easy it is for us to think God is so hard on us. You can't do this and you can't do that. Or he's going to be mad or the curse will come on you. You understand what I'm saying? See, a lot of the stuff that we think and we've been taught and that comes to us in our carnal mind, in our mind that, that we get into when the promise seems so far away, is so inaccurate. It's such an inaccurate picture of God. When we got examples all over the Bible, David, a murderer. Moses, a murderer. So we got perpetrators running all over the kingdom and they're patriarchs. they people we look up to. David, a man after God's own heart. Moses, a man who, who uh, renounced his natural inheritance because he was looking for a place that God had promised him. God is so merciful, folks. He forgives. It's like when you come up to this last year before they had Isaac, it's like God is saying, all this that happened before is forgiven. I steal, you're still my servant. You, I'm still going to use you. You're still my man. 
You're still the one I've called to do this. And I'm still going to give you greater faith than you have ever walked in before. Because once I choose somebody, I don't go back on my decision. You can't lose God's choose. Amen. Once he chooses you, you're chosen. And don't take it for granted. Humble. That should humble you. God, you mean to tell me all the crazy stuff I've done and calling it you? Oh! Pastor Bob, don't go there. But we've all done it. And we look at it as just a mistake and, you know, cause, cause we pretty much are pure hearted when we make these mistakes. We're doing the best we can. And God knows it. So that's why he forgives us over and over. It's your forgiveness is already accomplished. All you got to do is acknowledge and go to confessing. So Abraham has to repent here for wanting to push push Isaac up there into Ishmael's place. For wanting God to honor a counterfeit. Amen. To honor a mistake. Amen. But God in his mercy honors Ishmael, but in his own way. See, God has a way to, to fit everything. All of our mistakes and all of our shortcomings and all of our weaknesses, he puts it in a pot and calls it good. Amen. He works it out to you good. He doesn't hold it against us, any of that. And he says, he says here, um, the, um, we are Genesis this way. Uh, oh crap. So God went his way, left off talking to him. He told him at this time next year, Sarah's going to have this baby. He says, I'm going to establish my covenant. So from this point on, God realizes that he has total control in this thing. There has to be a season of time, folks, where you take your hands off and you walk softly before God and you walk carefully before him so that he has total control of the reins in your life. He'll slack them off after you get what he wants. If you get where he wants you to get, he'll slack them off again for you. He'll give you a little bit of room. You got me? But because he knows how this affects everybody that he, he calls you into this. Some people call themselves into this and wear themselves out. Now, that's why you see preachers, I got burnout. I, I'm, I'm quitting the ministry. I got this. No, cause you've been trying to do it yourself. You've been signing up for every church growth seminar, every, you know, big church marathon. You've been under everybody's tapes. You've been under everything but but God. You hide from God listening to other people's revelation. Huh? It's true. It's easy to do. And so when we, and, and sometimes you feel like you're doing your best for God. But you left him off so long ago. So he has to pull us back in. Show us. Uh, uh, I didn't talk, call you for that. I called you for this right here. Well, how long, God? <laughs> you know, when people want, they, they, they feel they're called to greatness. And greatness hasn't happened. At least greatness they think is supposed to be greatness. See, you gotta make sure you and God are calling, calling the, the same dog, the same dog. 
Huh? God's calling the dog and you calling the cat. Y'all got to get on one page with this. It took God how many years? Abraham started out at age 70 and then 99. This is 17, 18, 20 years. Abraham's walking with God before he gets the promise. That makes me want to say hallelujah. It's not too late. It's never too late. I feel like I want to do a Broadway hit tune right now. Huh? Overture, turn the lights. This is it, the night of nights. No more rehearsing and nursing apart. We know every part by heart. Huh? This is the biggie. On with the show. This is it. This is what you've been walking with God, with God for all these years, Abraham, and messing up, limping, getting rich, not being satisfied, having trouble in the house, all of that. It all leads up to this one point in your life. And you're not too old. The capper is God brings youth with him when he brings a promise. He brings everything with him when he brings a promise. And you're not too old. You're not behind schedule. You're right on time, Abraham. Huh? He's right on time. He's got to be. Because God's with him. God doesn't come to late people. If it's too late for you, God won't show up. That's something to think about, folks. If you're up in age and he's still giving you new things to do, he's bringing everything else with you you need to accomplish it. He's bringing health, wisdom, wealth, memory, huh? everything. Bringing everything with him. And he said to him, uh, you know, in Abraham immediately, verse 26, in the self-same day, Abraham circumcised himself and his son and everybody in the household. That's all God requires, simple obedience. Just when God says do something, you do it. When you know God's speaking to you, that thing you do. If you're nervous and you want to do something to impress him, leave that alone. Amen. Just leave it alone and chill out and go worship him or something. You know what I'm saying? But get your mind off of the thing that you know is impossible for you right now. Amen. Allow God to minister truth to you in a daily dose. Amen. And so Abraham then proceeds with, with, uh, um, Sarah and God reiterates the promise in chapter 18 and uh, in verse 18 10 he says I will certainly return now he's told him this already in 17 but he repeats it I will certainly return in a way this could be the same incident as chapter 17 but he manages to repeat that to him twice. 
When God repeats something to you twice, it's pretty much sealed in stone. He's not wavering on it. That's what he wants for you. The first thing you need to say is, God, that's impossible. Just be honest. God, that uh, I just, uh, oh, Lord, no. Huh? Oh, that Ishmael might live. We all want Ishmael to live. Because we know that a counterfeit and a substitute is easy. Because we've done it already. We like to repeat the same effort, the same energy, the same faith. We don't like nothing added to our little repertoire. Because we think we're doing enough already. If that were true, you'd have what God is promising in you is yet to come. And guess what? Whatever it is he requires you to do, he does the heavy lifting. Amen? He... That's a, a, a perfect father. That's just so perfect. Amen. I was watching here we, when we pack up from the conferences, a lot of times I have a lot of things to do with, you know, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, part of it. But, you know, I, I don't want the, the speakers to leave before I pay them, you know, and got to pay the venue. So I'll sit back at the desk in the back of the venue and, do the paperwork I need to do. And I was sitting there and I was watching the guys packing up like the heavy stuff, the speakers, the sound equipment and and that kind of stuff. And, uh, Gabby was there with her father, Dan, and, uh, she couldn't have been more than three. And, uh, he was telling her, he said, okay, Gabby, I'm ready for you to help me. Okay, daddy. And, and so he's carrying this thing. He, he waits till she comes to help him pick it up. And of course he's carrying the weight of the whole thing. And her little feet are barely able to keep up and she's running. Okay, daddy, I got it, daddy. I, she said, yeah, teamwork, daddy makes the dream work. And she's just so excited to be, that's us. When God, when, when we have to do something by faith, he does the heavy lifting. You're just going through the motions of obedience. Amen. You know, your heart's in it. And, it, but, but trust me, God is not asking too much of you when he tells you, you got to put your faith in him. You got to believe him and he will help you walk through the steps of, of believing him. You can't look at the natural. It'll defeat you every single time. And the devil will make the natural kick up to get your attention off of the word. And on to what looks like difficulty. He wants you to think promises are too hard. Amen? For you. And God knows they're too hard for you. But God says, I'm doing this. I'll tell you what to do, when to do it. Just stay focused on me. Amen? It, the focus part is is sometimes our most difficult. But then once we realize that's going to get it done, that makes it a little easier. You mean, God, this is all I have to do is is worship you, and walk in the spirit with you. I've been doing that all my walk with you. I've been obedient to you. And so you want me to be more diligent to let that be the requirement so that I know that I know that I know that I'm doing what you expect. That's all we want. to. That's what's going to satisfy our souls is to know we're doing the expected thing and that there's nothing 
that's too challenging that God expects us to do. I was listening to Brother Hagen teaching and, and he said that, um, he said, I, I, I would have people that needed to spend time, more time meditating in the word. You know, he said, I would pray, lay hands on them, pray the prayer of faith. He said, if they didn't get their healing right away, he said, I would seek God for a way to give them to, to make sure that they got it. And he would always ask them, he said, if I tell you to do something, are you going to do it? And he said, everybody would tell him the same thing if it's not too hard. <laughs> and he would say, and that's us. I'm guilty. Hello? That rings my bell. And he said over and over again, the response was, if it's not too hard, I'll do it. Now, these were people that were in life and death struggles with illness. They still wanted it easy. So if that's the universal response, guess what? God makes it easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He knows the answer is yes, it won't be too hard. And he would tell them, no, it's not too hard. He said, you'll be able to do this. He would tell them things like every every time you think about your your problem, just thank God that you're healed. He said, because that's the word. He said, you're ministering the word to your your heart. Let your faith rise up and is killing unbelief and doubt at the same time. So when you speak the word in your situation, it's doing more. It's not impressing God. It's killing unbelief. And it's causing faith to rise up for that thing. It's nurturing the seed that you have already in you. Amen. Like nurtures like. You got to have word going in to nurture the seed of the word that's already growing on the inside of you. You want it to manifest fully. Amen. The devil will sell, say things like, well, suppose it don't manifest. It's already manifested. Devil, I got the hard part and that was getting it in my heart. <laughs> you know, it's in there already. I check myself out because when I, when push comes to shove and I think about all the obstacles that are in the way of my faith today, I say to myself, I still believe God's word. That's all you have to do is settle it, settle it. Therefore, in your hearts is what Jesus would tell his disciples. Get it settled in there. Do you still believe God's word? Yes, I still believe your word, Lord. It seems real hard to me right now. And I know it's just that's just how it seems. But I know you help my faith. I know you're the author in the fit. I know you're going to come to help me. I got it written in the Bible. That little boy that was having seizures and the disciples couldn't cast it out. It looked like a, a failure. And he finally came to Jesus, which is what we do after we missed it, failed at it, didn't get it. We finally go to God. And the, and Jesus tells him, he says, if you can believe, he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. The next thing you know, that devil's leaving that boy and that boy gets delivered. So he helps our unbelief. As the author and the finisher of our faith, this is his job to do. It's up to you to trust him to do it. The hardest thing you have to do is let go. That's all we have to do. Let go of our preconceived ideas that it's too hard. 
it's too hard because you're trying to do the impossible. He does the impossible. You just hang on and get the results of it. Amen? So so it's up to us if we can get a, a change in our mindset, change in our way of thinking about things. Huh? You know, people will say things, hell, it's hard. Don't take their word for it. Look in the Bible. See what God says about it. People will always tell you their horror stories or their failure stories. They always want to discourage you. The, 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 every street corner you stop on is full of discouragement. But you want to stay encouraged in God. Just stay where God has you. Amen. So here Abraham staggers. He wants Ishmael to live. And God says, nope, I already got a plan for you. And I've already set a date for it. So he locks Abram in to walking before him. What will lock us in to walking with God or walking in the spirit or trusting him moment by moment is that little doubt that wants to creep in and steal our peace. See, Abraham is walking to maintain the peace that he has that God is going to do this because God set a date for it. And the devil wants to torture us until that comes to pass. So you got to walk with God to keep peace. <laughs> you know, he says, what well, he, he, don't, he said, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but you've got to have his peace, not to worry. How do you get his peace through prayer and supplication? Let what you want be made known to God. Amen. God, I want reassurance. God, I know my promise is coming. I don't need you to tell me it's coming again. I need to have reassurance that it's coming. Because I want to be peaceful along the ride. You'll get there. If God set a date for it, it's coming. But you don't want to be raggedy and crazy and, you know, (laughs) with your hair standing up. You know, the devil make your wig stand up. And, you know, even if it ain't your own hair, have your wig stand up on your head looking crazy if he can. So it's, it's, it's not a challenge to our desire to walk before God. What God is doing is offering Abraham a peaceful way, a way to stay peaceful until his son is born. He says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a way to keep up with me and I'll keep up with you. You're going to need my constant companionship along the way. And so then then God will institute things in our lives. Well, you know, he'll say things like, well, you know, just just always worship me. When you start to feel concerned about it, lift your hands up and thank me for bringing it to you. You know, that kind of stuff. And then you'll have days and sometimes weeks of total peace. Then the enemy will catch you off guard and snag you again and start worrying you about stuff. But God is always there for us. Jesus is always there as the author and the completer of our faith. Sometimes you have to tell him, God, I need something here to, to hold me over and, and, you know, keep me where I'm supposed to be. I want to be in perfect peace about this. And I know, I know you promise it to me. So I just want to be where you are at all times. We can, God feeds and nurtures our spirits. As we walk with him. He's going to get us there. He's going to deliver the promise in due season. But we want to be there in the kingdom to reap it. Amen. 
you don't want to keep straying away from God thinking your own thoughts and, you know, getting involved in this and getting involved in that and, you know, not believing and, you know, how we go through drama, you know. I don't know. I just don't believe God. I'm just going to quit. I mean, you know, all that kind of stuff. You, this ain't time for that. This is not the time for that. This is a time to cling to him, hold on to him with everything that's in you. Amen. And and then like like Jesus told Peter, he said, when you're converted, then you can strengthen your brothers. See, a lot of us are trying to strengthen people who aren't in a place to receive strength. God still got them in the convincing arena. They're not convinced they want to walk on with God. We trying to make them go anyway. Leave people alone. Let God handle them. Amen. Let let him get them prepared for what he has for them. Because he'll let you're not going to take his place in another person's life. I have news for you. That's that's one place that he's going to keep. Because that's the only place they're going to be safe. Amen. And so God wants us to to always honor his will. Always honor what he wants to do for us. Always be the one that he knows he can trust to stay perfected in this. Stay mature. Know that there's, when maturity means there's more to, to me than just my little household and my little things I want. There's kingdom here. Amen. And if we'll train ourselves to seek kingdom first and understand that everything else we desire will be added. Amen. If we seek, it didn't say you got to perfect the things of the kingdom. It just says seek it. Seek his way of doing stuff. Just make sure you're right with him. Make sure you're obedient to him. And then you watch stuff run into your house. Anybody who hasn't received the Amos 9, you know, this is where your reassurance that if you seek the kingdom, stuff comes to you. It just runs after you. It overtakes you. And there will be some things that will challenge you. But there's areas, there's, it's like the oasis in the desert. Your challenges are the dry patches, the desert area. The things, and then you'll think about it. God, look at this. I can easily believe you for, for, for my finances. It's easier now for me to believe you for my health. It's easier. I've got some oases here, some, some places where I can get watered, where I can get refreshed, where I can know you're real. And you, cause you've been active in my life here and it's easy for me. And then there's the challenge, amen, where you got to walk before him hand in hand. Don't let go of that unchanging hand because he'll tell you this isn't like the other stuff I've been doing. Like with Abraham, this wasn't like Abraham. You know, you've increased in cattle. You've been able to be a warrior and fight some battles. You've been able to intercede for a whole city of people. Amen. This isn't like that. This isn't the easy stuff. This is something that's going to bring you into a new realm of inheritance in me. This is the biggie. Amen. This is for all the marbles. This is what I promised you from the beginning. It just now is coming up to manifest in your old age. Amen. And this is, this is why I've had you here on earth. If Abraham don't have Isaac, the whole deal is called off. So it's the deal breaker. It's the make or break thing. And there's a make or break thing in every believer's life. 
But don't let that make you nervous. Don't let that make you worry. God has already, Jesus has prayed for us and our faith will not fail. It's like he told Peter, he said, the devil wants to sift you. And that's all that's happening to some of us. We in a little bit of a sifter. Amen. But then he wants to separate you from God. He's trying to sifter is to separate us from the love of God. Make you go away and say, God don't love you. Why is this happening to me? I, this is too hard. That's what he wants. But Jesus said, I prayed for you. Your faith won't fail. He said, I'm in charge of your faith. It's not going to fail you. But you're going to have to walk close to me. That's the stipulation. Walking close to God. Whenever we want something, we do it anyway. You want a bill paid and there's a deadline and the, the, you know, person is at the door, the, all of that is come and do. We turn the plate down and all of that until the bill's paid. Amen. If it comes due again, we repeat. <laughs> Ready, set, repeat. Same instructions. So we have our instructions for the things we're familiar with. But God wants to bring you into something new. Everybody says, he makes all things new. I want the new. It's going to require something new from you. Do you want to do the new? Do you want him to make all things new? Do you want him to remove the old? Oh, that Ishmael might live. Everybody's got an Ishmael they want to live, but you won't get the new with Ishmael in the house. Got to put him out. All your familiar toys, you got to throw them out. All your little pet phrases you used to quote to get what you needed from God, you got to let go of it. He got to give you something new. Amen. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for perfection. We walk before you, and you are our perfection. Thank you, Lord, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. Thank you, Lord, for taking all the doubt out. And we release all doubt from our hearts in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for nursing doubt, for thinking that this was the end of the road for that particular prayer or that particular answer. And Lord, you forgive us over and over and over again. As many times as doubt comes in, you cast it out. You help us get back on the road to faith. And we thank you for it. I just believe there are some people that need to release this this burden to the Lord. Whatever it is that we're believing God for, don't let it be too heavy for you. Don't let it be too heavy. Lord, your yoke is easy and your burden is light, even for the things where we know we entertain doubt and we struggle. Your yoke is still easy and your burden is light. Just say, I release it. Every burden, every care, every doubt, and every fear to you, Lord. And I commit to walk before you and be perfect in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do our confessed declaration. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed.
Amen. Praise God.